Hi, this is Van Cochran from Vineyard Church Northwest. The message this week is taken from Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, and it's all on the power of the gospel. We're in a series right now called Strengthen, and so this week it's Strengthen Your Confidence in the Gospel. And my intent in the message really is that uh, we all leave with a deeper understanding and greater confidence in what God has done in our lives and what He can do in the lives of others around us. So I hope you enjoy it. So there was this uh, mother who was a believer and she had her two sons. She was making them pancakes one morning and a big fight broke out between the two of them. One was six and one was four. The younger's name was Ryan. The older's name was Joe. And uh, the mother, as the big fight broke out as to who gets the first pancake. So the mother thought, well, this is a good teachable moment. And so she explained to them that if Jesus was here, Jesus would say, let my brother have the first pancake, and that we all want to be like Jesus, don't we? And so the older brother, he caught into that and tied into it right away, and he said, okay, that's great. And he looked at his younger brother, and he said, Mikey, you get to be Jesus. (laughs) All right, so... um, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the way you are. Thank you that uh, we can be growing to be like you through the presence and power of your spirit in our lives. Just invite your presence here again. Thank you for your presence here that you've already revealed. And Holy Spirit, um, open our minds. We open our hearts to you. So open our minds to see who you are and your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, I really struggled with my message. I had a hard time coming up with what we were supposed to strengthen. And uh, the last couple messages, I've known at least a week or two in advance what what the topic was going to be. And and so I had this all preparing in my mind and my heart way ahead of time. But this week, it just didn't happen. And I was getting kind of desperate. And Thursday morning, I woke up early, probably about 5 o'clock. And I remember lying in bed almost like pleading with God give me something. And um, I went back to sleep. And you know how if you, if you download something on your computer, when you accept the download, a little file pops up and it goes like that in, in an arc and goes down into Everyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. In the dream, I saw myself and I saw that happen. A file popped up and it came down inside my head. So I woke up and I thought, well, I don't know what it was, God. <laughs> Okay, I believe you. You just downloaded something to me, but I don't know what it was. I didn't in the dream know what it was, and I didn't afterwards know what it was. Well, later that day, Paul, Paul McCarty um, sent me an email. And his email was all about, well, I, it was about a dream he had had, and I was in the dream. And the dream was all about the power of the gospel to change people's lives. Okay, I was so involved by the time I read the email, like at 1030 in the morning, I was so involved in other stuff that it didn't click. It didn't, it didn't come to me at all that that was what God was saying for me to speak on. Until the next morning, Friday morning, I woke up and I'm saying, oh God, and God said, okay, this is it. You, you got it yesterday, the dream that Paul had. What I want to do is to start uh, by, by saying this. We're going to talk about strengthening our confidence in the gospel message.
today. And we're going to talk about the power of the gospel. And I'm going to start by reading Paul's dream to you. So he says, um, so you were the star of my dream last night. It was like I was watching an action movie in real life, an action movie in real life. I was in Cincinnati, or I was in a city, I think downtown Cincinnati. It was dark and rainy. Crowds were gathering around. A very tall building, news crews, firefighters, and looky-loos, etc. Those are people that just show up. Do you know what that frame, you know, that means? So, looky-loos. <laughs> okay, I realize someone is getting ready to jump off the building. All of a sudden, here comes a police escort. As it stops, you get out of the escorted car and proceed to get filled in on the situation. You start heading to the building and make eye contact with me. You stop and say, hey, Paul, could you get me a cup of coffee? I'll be right back down. <laughs> As you enter the building, news crews started packing up their stuff and leaving. I asked one news lady, where are you going? This will make a sensational story. She said, this story's been done so many times before. When Van shows up, he always talks them off the ledge. A few minutes later, you come down with the person, and they take him to the hospital in an ambulance. I hand you your coffee and ask you how many times you've done this. You smile and say, at least every Sunday I share the gospel. Then you say to me, sharing the gospel saves more lives than you will ever know. Then I wake up, LOL. <laughs> hey, that was the email. I want to start off by saying this. Although I was the person in Paul's dream, I don't think the dream is about me per se. I think it is about the church because I represent this church body. And so in a dream like that, it's not like there's one, one thing that the thing represents. But in this case, it, in other words, it's not like me personally, but it is this church. And so what that dream is saying is that God has put an anointing and a call on this church to talk people off the ledge, to encounter people that are on the edge of giving up. They're desperate. They don't know what they're going to do in life. And they're considering just ending it all, that, that we have an anointing to go to them and to bring them back from the edge. And, and it doesn't consist of uh, although in the dream it says talk them off the ledge, it's not really talking people into something, but it is sharing something with them and bringing a presence and a power to them that changes their life so that they want to walk away from the ledge. And this, this whole concept of the, the power of the gospel is so important for us to understand because if we don't, then we won't look at other people properly. We won't look at ourselves properly. And if we think that sharing the gospel is all about an argument and having the very best argument possible, and you know, I need to know to say exactly the right words to this person, then we're all going to feel inadequate. We're all going to say, well, I can't do that. I'm not prepared. I haven't taken the right class for that. Or if we have taken the class for it, we're going to depend more on the arguments we got in that class than we are on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in the situation. If you remember last week, Wendy Backlin talked about wanting to carry such anointing that she walks past people and bumps them and they just get accidentally healed. 
And she's going to stop and say, oh, I'm sorry. Were you accidentally healed there? <laughs> you see, bringing people who are desperate, and, and it doesn't have to be people on the ledge in suicide, just people who are desperate and lost and living in, in what seems to them darkness. They just, they can't see. They can't make their way in life. They're depressed. They're forlorn. They have no hope. So we're talking about hopeless people. Bringing them into the light isn't about an argument. It isn't about intellect. It is about carrying the presence of the living God and releasing the presence of the living God to them. The right moment as God leads us. And at the moment that we see God working in their hearts to receive it. And so today that's what we're going to talk about is the power of the gospel. And it is, it is something that God has put on us as a church body. We have an anointing as a church body to bring people into the light. This has been confirmed prophetically through many people through a dream like this as well. But when, when you see the revelation and the power of God, you'll look at other people differently. You, you, you will see yourself and other people differently. And you look at this dream, look at a few things. First of all, the city. And this is our city, Cincinnati. And we have been called to have a citywide and regional-wide impact as a church. This is a confirmation of that. You, you look at the police escort, and, and you see civil authority acknowledging the power of the kingdom. That somehow this is happening in such a way that even the civil authorities are saying, hey, would you come and bring the power of the kingdom into this situation because we don't know what to do with it. We can't handle it. And, and you see this, that the, the um, well, when, when I gave, got, uh, asked Paul to get me the coffee and I said, I'll be right back down. What is that? Confidence. That's confidence. That's utter confidence. Hey, no big deal. This is going to happen. We're going to take care of this. Yeah. We're going to walk into this. The coffee will still be hot when I get back down. Okay. And then you, you see... Um, the, the, uh, the reporters that are leaving, and they say, he, let's say they, they always talk them off the ledge. And really, it's not even just for us as a church. This is an anointing God wants across our city. I think it's something he might be giving to us to release other places, but it's something he wants believers and Christians all across our city to walk in. So the people are going to say, well, when, they, when the Christians show up. This kind of thing always gets taken care of. And so just, just for us to believe that we are going to see dramatic salvations and dramatic displays of the power of the kingdom, that that's going to be commonplace. That's what this is all talking about. It's just going to be happening everywhere we look, everywhere we turn. And when you begin to understand that and you begin to see the power of the gospel, it's going to change the way you look at every person in your life. For instance, I, I want us all to do this right now. Think of someone that would be the most shocking person in the world for you, for them to become a, a Christian that would be on fire, filled with the Holy Spirit, tongue speaking, praying for healing, just the whole deal, the whole nine yards. Take a moment. And think, who do you know in your life? Or maybe if no one in your life, you know, maybe someone outside your realm of, of, of personal experience. But who do you know that would be the most shocking person for you to come to Jesus? Everybody have someone? Okay, that's nothing to God. 
he can, he, can, he can bring that person, he can change that person's life in the blink of an eye. All they have to do is just crack their heart open just a little bit. You know, when you crack your heart open just a little bit, God responds. And when that happens, then the Holy Spirit floods in that crack and fills the person and changes them. You know, it's as simple as this. My wife, Lori, when she was desperate, had just broken an engagement, didn't know where life was headed, she just called out to God and said, God, send someone to me to teach me about you. What do you think God did? He sent someone to her in a really pretty dramatic fashion who eventually led her to faith in Jesus. It's just that, that little crack, just open up, just open up. That's what the Bible calls faith. And we're going to see in a passage here in a moment just the incredible power that happens when we just open our hearts in faith. So it's as simple as this. It's as simple as just turning and saying, Jesus, here I am. Don't forget me, here I am. Or it could be as simple for some people as saying, if you're real, show me, because I want to know. I want to know truth. You know, the Bible says anyone who is willing to do his will will know the truth, will know whether the message Jesus brought was from God or not. And so it's just this, there's a basic foundational heart shift that says, whatever it takes, I want to know the truth. And I'm willing to obey you and live for you no matter what it, whatever the cost. When a person comes to that point, they just open their hearts just that slight way, then the Holy Spirit comes in. My, my second born son spent a year in Iraq, and he led um, combat missions where they would have three Hummers that would go out and patrol areas. And there were two types of Hummers. There were the Hummers, the new ones that were built with the armor in them, so there were no seams anywhere. And then there were the old Hummers that they just welded steel plates into, which left seams all around all the steel plates. Well, what would happen if you hit an IED with one of those old Hummers? Well, the, the plates might protect you from the shrapnel, but those seams would let all of the pressure from that, from that bomb come into the Hummer, and it would just blow the whole thing up. And so they wanted Brent to go out in one of those one day, and he just said, I'm not going to do it. He said, it was a brand new lieutenant who had just gotten to, to Iraq, and he said, I can't, can't take my guys out in this. And a week or so later, they, they did have a Hummer hit an IED, a good Hummer, and it blew the whole front of the, of the thing off, but everybody in the cabin was safe, which Brent was then kind of validated by that. But here's my point. You open up just a slight crack, and the power of God will come into your life. And in a good way, blow your life up. Okay. In a good way, he'll come in, and he will change you. He'll give you a new heart and all the things you're struggling with, and all the fears that drive you to the ledge, he'll take care of all of those, and he'll give you new life. It's, it's just that simple. Now, we see this, uh, the power of the gospel revealed in um, the, the uh, book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, just a very powerful statement here. Uh, this is Romans 1, 14 through 17, and it's the apostle Paul speaking, and he says this, he says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That means faith start to finish. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That, what that means is you get in by faith and you go on by faith. You don't get in by faith and then you go on by works. You get in by faith and you go on by faith. But he says this. He starts off, I'm under obligation both, both to Greeks and barbarians of verses 14 and 15. And he says, so I'm eager to come and preach the gospel. Now, the background of that is this. Paul had told the Romans he was going to come to Rome, and then he wasn't able to make it. He had expressed his desire to come, but then he couldn't come. And so the Roman believers that were really didn't understand humility that well, they were legalistic. They thought you get in by faith as long, along with circumcision, and then you go on by obeying the law. And so what they were saying was, Paul's afraid to come to Rome because he knows this is the intellectual center of the, of the world. And what he's doing out there in Galatia with those backwater people, they're, you know, they're barely above barbarians. They'll, they'll accept his simple message, but he's afraid because he knows if he comes here, that message won't play so well, and he, he won't win the argument if he comes here. Now, their first, their first problem was they thought the gospel was all about winning an argument. And so Paul, Paul says, no, I am indebted to the barbarians. That's why I'm out there doing this. But I'm indebted also to the Greek culture and to the Greek mindset, which would be representative of the intelligentsia in Rome that these uh, accusers of Paul were, were referring to. And, and he says, I'm, I'm obligated to them too. And I'm coming and, I, and I'm eager to come because it's not about winning an argument. It's about the power of the gospel. And he says, when I come, you're going to see the power of the gospel. And Paul had already tried this whole deal at Mars Hill of arguing with the philosophers and trying to, trying to win people to Christ through a rational argument. That's why the next place he went, Corinth, he writes to them and he says, when I came to you, I didn't come with words of men's wisdom or philosophies. I came just with the gospel of Christ and with the power of God. You see, he had learned that it wasn't about winning an argument. We don't bring people to Jesus by having all the answers or winning an argument. I mean, just talking to people, maybe giving them some answers might be good just to stay in relationship with them as long as you and I realize that it's, it's not going to bring them to faith in Christ just to have the best argument. You can talk about, like the gospel message itself is powerful. It is not a powerful message. It is a message with power. There's a difference because a powerful message could mean that the person delivering the message is really, really smart and, and they can out-argue you. Or that they're really, really bold and they're just going to give you a strong message that's going to overpower you emotionally. Or that they're going to give strong words and make you feel guilty. That could be a powerful message. But a message with power is something different. And the gospel is a message that intrinsically contains power. So that when we say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became a human being, he became a man. And without, without giving up his deity, fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect, righteous life. He demonstrated the power of God through miracles and healings. And he ultimately went to the cross to pay for our sins. And he was validated as the son of God with power, the book of Romans says, through the resurrection of the dead. And he is alive today. And you can come to know him. Just, just open your heart just a little. Just, just faith. Just here I am. 
Just faith. Open your heart, and he'll come into your heart, and he'll change your life. That's the message of the gospel, and it's a very simple message, and all it requires is faith in response. That's why he says that it is uh, from faith to faith, start to finish. It is all by faith. And so, Paul is confident, not in his oratorical ability, but in his ability to just to carry the presence and power of God. And so that should encourage us, folks. You don't have to win arguments. We, we don't have to, in fact, what we need to do, it, arguing, in fact, is kind of counterproductive to love. And really, the gospel message, when you understand the power of the gospel, it should lead us to a greater love for people, more mercy, more kindness, more gentleness less anxiety on our part, and just more love for, for, for people because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom God's given to us. That's in Romans 5, and just a few verses later, he says, here's how God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we get filled up with the love of God and we love other people and we realize this is not about me. This is not about my ability. This is about me just letting the presence of God flow and seeing people's lives changed through that. See, it takes revelation. It takes revelation for people to come to real faith in Christ. So, you know, I wanted to, um, at this point, I wanted to stop, and I'm going to invite Grant Anderson to come up here, and Grant is going to share with us uh, his, kind of his journey in coming to faith in Christ. So Grant is uh, Sarah Anderson's husband. Sarah is our children's pastor. Everyone welcome Grant. Let's welcome Grant. Go for it. Well, good morning. So uh, Van gave me a call on Friday. He's like, oh, would you be willing to come up and talk for a few minutes? I'm like, sure, why not? Okay. I'm not necessarily a shy person, so... Um, so, my story is kind of interesting. Um, in this message, like we really came around um, my own decision to follow Jesus, and it was really a struggle for me. Um, and it really came down to like an intellectual battle. And what I realized after years and years and years is I can gather every single bit of information I can. I can read through the entire Bible. I can watch videos and read all sorts of commentaries. But at some point, I actually need to make a decision. And um, that finally happened for me after maybe six or seven years of seeking. And I'm sitting kind of towards the back of the room over there just one Sunday morning. I think this is back in either late 2006 or 2007 when we were in this building. And uh, I was just sitting there, and, and I just was realizing that I, there wasn't anything more for me to learn in terms of, like, making a decision. You know, I just was searching through everything, trying to rationalize it all, trying to make this an intellectually based decision. And, you know, just like he was just talking about having powerful arguments, you know, one day I would have one, hear one perspective and the next day another, and I just go back and forth and just couldn't finally, couldn't make that decision. And finally I was sitting there like, what am I doing? I'm totally missing the boat because there's more to all this. I'm, you know, I, I had felt for a long time both in high school and, and in college, like just something was missing. And um, I mean, I went through numerous hard times and made <laughs> a series of bad decisions throughout all that time. And um, 
you know, it really came to that point where I realized, like, I'm just missing out on what God has for me. And so it wasn't anything miraculous. It wasn't anything crazy that day. I was literally sitting there, and Van was up here, and I can't even remember what your message was. Um, and I probably was zoning out at some point, um, <clears throat> getting coffee or something, that's per my use. Um, and, but I was sitting there, and it just, I finally made that decision, and I mean, I literally just sitting there, and, you know, I said, all right, I'm just going to do this. I'm tired of waiting. And so I made a decision to follow Jesus just sitting right there. There was no altar call. There was no, like, you know, bright, shining light coming down, anything like that. Um, but it's been, it's been a real change for both uh, myself and for my wife. Um, and, I mean, it's just been such a heart change. And I think that's the thing that, for me, is not only was it a heart decision to follow Jesus, but then the change inside of me and how that impacted others around me. My ability to love other people, to, to love myself and understand, like, the way that God has made me. I mean, and I think that was really the fundamental thing that I had been missing for years is not being able to love myself for who he's made me to be. And, and because I didn't have that, I just you know, would mistreat people. And so um, that day, just God just really started opening the door and then just through numerous experiences here and all of our fantastic classes. So make sure that you sign up for one of those. But, um, you know, it's just a process of change, but what an amazing difference for me. Um, and again, you know, it really wasn't about a powerful argument or anything like that. It literally just came down to opening the door a crack and God just coming in. So, yep. Isn't that awesome? That's it right there. That's what faith is. Faith is when you come to the point that you just say, okay, Jesus, I want you. I want you more than the arguments. I want you more than I want my own way. I want you more than anything. And when you do that, he comes in, he takes over, and he changes everything in your life. I remember Grant, when he told me about that, it was like two or three weeks later. And he told me, he said, you know, I sat there and I thought, I... I really believe this. And then he said, and my wife tells me I've been different ever since that day. And I'll tell you, if your wife says you're a different person, that, that's telling you, you are a different person. And so I, I, I bring this out and I wanted Grant to share that because I want us all to see the, um, just the power of the gospel is so great that just a crack lets the gospel in, and, 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 and it's so powerful that just a little crack lets enough of the gospel in, if you put it that way, and that's not really the way it happens, but it lets enough of the gospel in to change your whole life. And, and the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved other than the name of Jesus. And so it's calling on the name of the Lord that brings people in, into relationship with him. That's it right there. Not perfect understanding even of the gospel. How many who are believers here understood the gospel perfectly when you accepted Christ? I mean, I understood it pretty well, but I've been learning more and more about it over the last 45 years. Uh, and, and so it's not like perfect understanding. It is the Holy Spirit's power in opening a person's eyes, and you, you and me, we get to be there at the right moment, and we're like the midwives. 
we get to deliver the birth into the kingdom. So there was, um, I'm going to end with this. It's going to take about five minutes, but I'm going to end with this. There was a guy in the Bible in Acts chapter 8 named Philip. And uh, Philip was part of a revival in Samaria. And great things are happening there. And God speaks to him and says, I want you to get down to this desert road in Gaza. And isn't that great? I mean, here you are, you're at a revival, and God himself says, leave the revival and go down to this lonely, desolate place. And so Philip obeyed, and he went down, and, and he's just hanging there, waiting to see what's God got to go, what's happening, why am I here? And along comes these chariots. And in one of the chariots was a ruler from uh, an, Ethiopian, an Ethiopian ruler. And he was a eunuch. He served in the, in the courts of the queen. And he is, he's riding along in his chariot. And the Spirit of God says to Philip, get over there, get closer. And so he walks over, and apparently this chariots had stopped. And he walks over, and he hears this guy in there reading out loud from the book of Isaiah. And so all, all Philip does is ask a question. He just says, what are you reading? Do you understand that? And that was enough right there. He asked that question because God's already at work in this man's life. He says, how can I understand? I need someone to tell me what the heck this means. And so Philip then climbs up into the chariot with him and tells him what it means. He was reading in the Old Testament about where it talked about the suffering of Jesus. And so he shares, here's, here's what it means. This guy, Jesus, he came, he died on the cross, rose from the dead. He's God's son. We saw him go back to heaven. And, and you put faith in him and he'll change everything for you. And the, the Ethiopian eunuch, he's ready. He just says, well, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Can I be baptized? Here, where's, and there's water there. What's, what's keeping me from being baptized? And so using that as a pattern, Here's what I want to say for us, because this dream that Paul had is like God holding out something to us as a church body, which we're receiving as a church body. But for every individual, you have to receive it personally yourself. And that is an anointing from God to talk people off the ledge. An anointing from God to encounter people who in this lifetime are so desperate and hurting and broken. And you know, one of the very first prophetic words we got at this church, in fact, the first one was, I will build, I will forge my church out of broken people. And so you have to reach out and say, I want that for myself. I want to walk in that anointing too. And so I'm just going to pause right now. I'm going let to you, let you pray and, and affirm that to God. If that's what's in your heart, God, I want that anointing. I want to be able to walk to people who are on the ledge, take them by the hand and say, hey, come on, come this way. And you're going to be opening their eyes and working in their life to bring them to faith in Jesus. So receive that right now. And then do this. Walk in confidence in the gospel. Do not be intimidated by what you see happening in our world. What you hear in the newscasts. Or what you hear coming from the intellectual elite about religion and things like that. Don't be intimidated by that. Why? Because you don't have to win the argument because you have a gospel with power. 
And so be confident in the gospel, not trying to win an argument, never ever trying to win an argument with another person. Okay, confidence in the gospel. The second thing is this, respect the person's right to decide. I got to respect if they if they don't want this then I respect them. I respect that they're they're a, they're created by God. They have choice. And they might be making the wrong choice, but I'm not going to I'm not going to lead them to anything other than that by arguing with them or trying to convince them that they're wrong. So so I have a hard attitude that says I respect the other person's right to decide. Third thing is this, get close enough to the person to see what's happening. That's what Philip did. Run up to the chariot. Listen. Listen. And Philip didn't have to listen long. Sometimes you and I have to listen long. Because we're not coming to them with a preconceived answer. We're not, we're not going to listen and say, oh, this is their problem. Let's see. At the class I took, that, uh, let's see. Answer number seven is the right answer for this problem. And so I go into parroting that answer to them. That's not what this is about. This is about listening to them, finding out. And, and praying, God, show me what's happening in their heart. Show me their heart, God. Help me to see what's happening in this person's heart. And then, just confidence in this. God's going to give you the next thing to say. Okay, that's it. And it might be a question. If we're going to follow Philip, probably a question. It might be something as simple as, after having listened to them, and they know I've listened, and they know I've heard their heart, and by that, I, it, they, that doesn't happen in two or three minutes. But after listening to them, I might say something like, you know, have you ever thought that there might be a spiritual answer to this? Has that, has that ever come into your heart or your mind? And if they say no, then, you know, you might just say, well, um, I, you know, I found some answers spiritually to stuff like this. So, uh, man, I'm so glad to get to listen to you and get to sit here with you and, and, and just love them. But it's as simple as that. It probably comes down to a question that is going to show you whether they're opening their heart up or not. And, and if they say, uh, no, but maybe I should. Maybe I should consider spiritual. Maybe there is a spiritual answer to this. Or if they say, you know, how did you know to ask me that? Because I've been asking God to show me. And, and when, when the Holy Spirit's preparing a person, and what happens is... You know, the Bible says no one can come to the Father. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father draws them. But the Bible also says that God doesn't want anyone to perish, and his desire is that everyone is saved. And the Bible says if anyone is willing to obey my word, he'll know the truth. And so as soon as a person just responds with some level of willingness, then God responds to them. And, and, and so what you're doing is you're looking for that person. You're looking for that person who has already responded to God with some sense of willingness and so, that, so that you then get to be the uh, midwife and, and deliver the baby as, as that person's born into the kingdom. And in other cases, what you'll end up doing is just sowing a seed in that person's heart and mind and someone else might get to be the midwife at some future point in time. So let's all stand together. Father, we're thankful that the gospel's powerful. Oh, you know, by the way, I want to say this too. I do think the gospel is the best argument in the world for explaining our world condition. 
I don't think there's any, any other religion, there's no other philosophy that describes how we got where we are and why things are as messed up as they are and what the solution is than the gospel. And, and so, I mean, I'm confident in that. I'm just saying that's not what's going to win most people. That's not what's going to draw people. It's the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit and, and hearing the truth from someone who walks in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, uh, we're thankful that you don't call us to be the best orators. You don't call us to be the le- best debaters in the world to advance the kingdom through our own wisdom and debating prowess or our own personal power and boldness to tell people the way it is. You don't call us to that, but you call us to love people and to, and to deal with them in gentleness, especially those who are in opposition, to deal with them in gentleness and kindness and allow the Holy Spirit to work and to flow through us. And so as a church body, Father, we receive uh, this, this call to an anointing to see desperate people come to faith in Jesus and to see dramatic salvations all over this city. We receive that, Father. And as we receive that, we, we want to walk in it personally as well and transfer this just other places everywhere we go. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.